Warning, this episode of the Comedy Quota does contain some offensive language, uh, but then again, what do you expect? It's the uh, Edinburgh Festival Roundup, uh, and there's loads of comedians up there at the uh, yearly trade show, um, having fun and enjoying themselves, so, uh, you know, if you really don't expect them to sort of just talk normally and use a bit of uh, cussing, um, you shouldn't really be listening to comedy anymore. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, grow up and get a life, because it is big and it is clever, uh, so you've been warned anyway. Welcome to the uh, special Edinburgh edition of Liverpool Comedy Quota with me, your host, Jay Burnley. Uh, in this edition, it's slightly longer uh, and slightly different format because we uh, got the chance to speak to quite a few comedians while we were up in the uh, in the Edinburgh uh, climbs. Uh, and uh, we've got four interviews for you this, this, uh, this edition. Uh, we have um, Simon Donald, the co-creator of Viz magazine, uh, who was up there doing a school of swearing. Um, but he talks to us about um, uh, his life before and after becoming a comedian. Uh, we've also got uh, the odd couple of comedy, uh, as I found out up there, uh, Jim Smallman and Danny Buckler. Um, we chat to them about their shows. And then finally, we've got uh, a special interview with the uh, owner and founder of the Stand Comedy Club up in Edinburgh. Uh, one of the, uh, if you speak to comedians, probably one of the best uh, comedy clubs in the UK. Uh, Tommy Shepherd, uh, who uh, agreed to uh, chat to us on the steps of the stand. Uh, so a great show, uh, and listen on. First up, uh, we managed to catch uh, Simon Donald coming out of uh, Roe Campbell's uh, comedy variety showcase thing uh, that he did in the afternoon at Bannerman's, um, caught him out on the street, uh, and had a chat with him. Uh, if you don't know who Simon Donald is, he's the guy who co-created uh, Viz magazine, famous for Roger Melly, Billy the Fish, uh, Biffa Bacon, uh, and Johnny Fartpants, uh, amongst others. Um, and uh, he's now doing uh, character comedy, and uh, this year in Edinburgh he did the straight comedy um, with School of Swearing. Um, so this is our interview. Uh, I'm outside Bannerman's with Simon Donald, co-creator, co-founder of Viz, uh, just after uh, Roe Campbell's Best of the Fringe. Uh, how did that go for you? Oh, it's nice. I always like doing Rose little gigs because uh, he's he, well, he does. He's immediately on after me um, in the uh, in the stand. stand. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's on eleven forty-five or whatever. So when my show finishes, uh, he's straight on after me. So you get a lot of uh, sort of mutual support over there at the stand. You know, it's, like, it's a nice, 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 very, very friendly venue. You know. And uh, so when when Roe needs somebody to come down here and sort of uh, you know he puts these little fringe uh, show pieces together, it's always nice to come down and just do a little bit for him. And I hand out my flyers and uh, it just it let just lets know, you get some people who are just dipping into the fringe who don't know an awful lot about it. Yeah. And uh, it just lets them know that you exist and that your show's on somewhere. And uh, and Roe's a good guy, you know. And uh, I occasionally get a few. Uh, Sandwiches out of it, you know. <laughs> have, you found it, have you found it an easy transition uh, going from sort of writing the comic to uh, being a comic? Um, well, a lot, a lot of people say to me, "Oh, what, what made you do that? What was the big idea? What, you know, it's such a, 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 a big change, a big difference." But it was actually the case that historically, before I uh, ever did the comic work, I mean, which I began when I was 15, mm. I was already doing performance. I was, um, uh, there was a late, late 1970s and there was a fashion then for people to, um, before bands or in between bands, uh, there would be stand-ups, poets, people doing comedy, you know, whatever. Stag so, who walk uh, past being pricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> 
that, so I, that, that was what I used to do and in uh, September 79 um, I did my sort of last gig as a, as a poet um, before uh, Viz began mm. and I, and I was only, like I said I was only 15 but once I started to work on Viz I didn't do a lot more of that and then um, I used to sing and do little character pieces of different scoot, people's yeah. gigs, man. It's oh, all right, no, oh, sorry, it's Rogue, the, the, uh, the organiser. Yeah. I'm just going to put his uh, microphone in his face. How, how did that go for you? Oh, it was fun last show, man. Technically, my throat's starting. I've got a bit of a throat infection. Who, who's your favourite on the bill? And uh, uh, Simon. Oh, everyone, everyone had a little bit, but uh, obviously Simon's always good and um, and always does business and hilarious. But uh, we had a sort of a guy that just popped out of the audience. Uh, this guy over here, Chris Cross, Chris Cross and he just jumped out of the audience and did some crazy contortion stuff, which I never even yes. seen before. And that um, that was pretty awesome. Is there a problem with your recorder? Is there a problem with your recorder? This is Chris. Is there a problem with your recorder? Is there a problem with your recorder? Okay. <laughs> Uh, Do you know what? You should be so, a comedian. You should be on the stage. Uh, be on the stage. So, uh, if only you were funny. If you were funny. Just fucking bendy. Show off. But anyway, so back to the story. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're doing, doing all this alternative stuff. Do you think that's coming back to the fringe a little bit? Um, more poetry, well, magicians, stuff. Has that always been I, there? I, I think that what comedy is suffering from at the minute is there's too much of it, and a lot of it is too predictable. Mm. And um, I think it's very easy um, for people to sort of just try to do the same as what's gone before. Mm. And when I first fell in love with alternative comedy, um, you got all sorts of different things on bills. You know, you got, you know, for instance, um, you would have uh, Arnold Brown on the same bill as French and Saunders and yeah. uh, Rick Mayall and Aid Edmondson. And uh, you know now you you would never see a gig where somebody nowadays would think that that would work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you know We're somebody like I can see him now. Daryl Martin is just over there, just the tonic. Oh, yeah. If if those acts existed now, I don't think Daryl would put them on the same bill together. I mean, to be fair, Daryl is probably one of the more open-minded uh, comics, but um, you know who's also a, a promoter, should I say? But. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's too much, a lot of, you know, the big agents and the big clubs, they just put a, a, a sort of bill together of usually four fellas um, who are all much of a, the same age. We'll get the money the through the doors. Attitude, yeah. he's, he's appeared on Mock the Week. They'll, yeah, they'll produce an acceptable level of laughter for an acceptable percentage of the show. And that's pretty much it. There's no, there's no real risk-taking acts. Um, Is that why it's good to be at the stand? Because the stand sort of came kind of. Well, the sort of the stand. Every, everybody's reason for being at the stand is that um, Tommy Shepard, who runs it, thinks they're funny. Ra <laughs> rather than it's because you know he can see. Uh, uh, yeah, he can see a till opening, um, and. And as a result of that, you do get people that other people probably wouldn't have taken a risk on, the likes of Tony Law, who, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm not a great believer in awards, but I think the fact that he's show, he has won awards shows that um, comedy doesn't have to be predictable, you know, yeah. and uh, I would like to see a, a return to a more of a, um, you know, a variety type of bill in, in a comedy club, you know, where there is uh, rather more... You know, say in the middle, the middle section of a of a of a comedy show, you used to always get really unpredictable acts. Yeah, you, you had know? a turn. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, there is, there uh, is a bit. But, of... but now, uh, nowadays, it just tends to be an open spot trying to um, recreate exactly what the opening and closing acts are doing. Mm. So yeah, we know, and I think the free fringe is a is a, is a great thing. I've got to say, 
Um, I think it, 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 it anchors what the fringe was 30 years ago, and it gives people an opportunity who uh, wouldn't otherwise have it um, to, to, to just appear as performers and, and try stuff out. And it also gives the crowds a chance to decide whether they like it or not without having to commit uh, sums of money and feel ripped off uh, if it doesn't work. You know. And you, you do sort of like a, a few characters as well. Yeah, so yeah. You, you, you show this year is Skewless Wearing. Yeah. But you do a lot of characters. Just seen uh, Barry Twyford. Yeah. That was one of my favourite characters because uh, I like swearing uh, and read words. Uh, but for people who haven't seen you before, how would you describe some of the characters and some of the stuff you do? Well, Barry Twyford is basically an excuse for being extremely rude to the audience and getting away with it. <laughs> um, it really is as simple as that, you know. But the, the, the magic of doing characters is that you're doing it, uh, well, firstly you're doing it in the second person because it's uh, character. Mm. But then Barry Twyford is... Um, he is reporting something that other people have said. He's a market researcher, mm. and he's just reading stuff off a clipboard. <laughs> and it's th th he's been given a sheet of questions, and he's got to read them out to people. And the questions are seriously offensive, but that's not his. That's not his problem. He's just been given them, you know. So. Uh, um, what, what, other, what other characters do you like in doing at the moment? Um, I'm, I'm sort of at the minute. I'm not really doing a lot of the character stuff. Um, just because, well, basically, because I've written a new show which doesn't yeah. have characters in. But also, uh, on doing club gigs, club circuit gigs, um, they tend not to, a lot of clubs don't like character stuff. Yeah. But just like I was saying before, you know, there's a, they, they, they like to um, just book more predictable acts. But what I, what I tend to find with Barry Twyford is it works pretty much everywhere. Yeah. And that's because it's very easy to understand how it works. Do you know what I mean? You, yeah. It's just basically he's a nerdy sort of um, uh, market researcher. And then the questions are fairly self-explanatory. Um, and nobody needs to sort of commit any great uh, time or um, mental ability to uh, to understanding, you know, the, the ins and outs <laughs> of this, this character. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, so you're, you're going to be touring with this, or are you gonna, you're just going to be doing the circuit? Well, I hope or? so. Yeah, I'm hoping to arrange it to a sort of a few dates at the end of this year. Um, any plans for I've, Liverpool? I've, do you want any plans for Liverpool? I would love to come to Liverpool. I, I, do you know what? Um, I, um, I do a lot of gigs in the northwest um, for Rob Riley and, oh, yeah. uh, very, you know, do uh, I come to Manchester and do yeah. the, um, the f I've done the Frog and the um, that one that's a church now. Excess uh, Malarkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely gigs out there, but uh, I've never done Liverpool for some reason. Oh. I've never had a booking in Liverpool. I don't know why. It'll happen, I'm sure. Leave it with me. I'll sort you out. Oh, you haven't been seen, seen my show. There's a no, no, line no. in my show uh, about genuine uh, two two girls in a nightclub because Stuart Lee is in Celebrity Swears, which appears in my show, and he chooses as his favourite celebrity swear bomb uh, the word piss flap, right? <laughs> and then I, I, I said that the trouble was the trouble was that. Um, in doing a, a school of swearing, trying to do a comprehension test on that, people couldn't create a successful sentence using the word piss flap in the singular, right? Mm. So what I, then, and I used to say that at my gigs, and then this woman uh, in the, the uh, I was previewing in London, and this woman waved me over and said, uh, I think I've got a successful sentence with the word piss flap in the singular. And I says, oh, what's that? She says, well, I was in the uh, toilet cubicles in a club and there were two girls from Liverpool in the next cubicle and they'd been out for a, a day in London and they were comparing body waxes that they'd had done in the salon. And one said to the other, oh, no, look, she's fucked up me piss flap. 
And then she went on, she went on to add to that. She's made a right fucking pig's ear of it. <laughs> Which is just incredible, is it not? I'm about to get you couldn't back write shit. I'm about to get on a train back there now. Where that's going to be lovely. I'll probably bump into her knowing uh, how this works. But uh, t- thanks for chatting to us. Um, Brilliant. So, uh, thanks, thanks for having me. If, if anybody wants to find you on the uh, on the internet, SimonDonald.com. Hasn't been updated for a while, but um, it's all right. They can find. I'll put my gigs on there, and I'm on Twitter at um, my name, SimonDonald. One word. Piss flap. Thanks a lot for that. Footnugget.com. <laughs> oh, There's going to be a lot of editing in this one. <laughs> cheers for that, Sam. Take it easy. Thanks, mate. Cheers, cheers for that. I will point out uh, on most of these interviews, uh, they were done sort of guerrilla style um, so they were out and about uh, just outside of venues and stuff like that, uh, and Edinburgh uh, has been having tram, tram lines built and put into the city for the last 120 years, I think, uh, they're just about to complete that in the next 20 or so years, um, so you will hear a lot of building work um, and cars and stuff like that, and people jumping in and out as roaded uh, in that interview. Um, so uh, bear with us on that. Um, but next up, uh, we've got uh, we have the pleasure. Um, I say we. Uh, it's just me. Um, so I make myself in the third person. Um, we have the pleasure to. Uh, I was doing it again. Um, the pleasure to uh, join up with friend of the show, uh, Jim Smallman. Um, uh, he bumped into him uh, doing his group therapy um, show up in Edinburgh in the Tron, um, where he, he discussed people's problems uh, with uh, a panel, a guest panel of. Uh, sort of agony ants I'd say um, but yeah uh, he's also um, one of a friend of the show through doing his progress wrestling um, shows um, and it's always a pleasure to talk to him and this is what he said right off again uh, here at Comic Con uh, and we've got Jim Smallman just after the wonderful uh, group therapy show oh you and your <laughs> lies <laughs> uh, it was alright today it's it's weird because I do two shows. I do that show at one, and then I do my solo show at half four. And my solo show has been really full, but my group therapy show, where I get really, really awesome guests to come along, has been really quiet because it's at one in the afternoon. Who have you had in so far? I've had uh, Al Murray, uh, I've had Chris Martin, I've had got Daniel Sloss coming up this week, I've had Vicky Stone. Basically, if someone's making something and they do comedy, they've probably done it. Today's guest, uh, we only have one guest, we meant to have three, but one of them forgot about it and the other one, and apologised, the other one forgot about it and just didn't come. Uh, <laughs> so it's me and Danny Buckler, and Danny Buckler lives in my flat with me. So we're essentially, we're getting to the point now where I think we're ready to kill each other. Um, him more than me, because I'm quite jolly. Um, but yeah, I think he's he's fed up with me being chirpy being around the house. So um, The banter on stage seemed like you were... Uh... Yeah, we're all right. We're going all right. Um, no, look, he's lovely. He's lovely. His show's <laughs> phenomenal as well, and more people need to be seeing it. I think that's my only my only issue. Is more people should be seeing that show because it's great. So yeah, you're having a lot of fun doing the group therapy though, because it's a bit yeah, because yeah, because I treat it like a warm up. Because 15 minutes of my solo show are improvised anyway, roughly. So <laughs> I I just treat it as a as a way for me to kind of get, uh, get warmed up at the start of the day. When we did it, and Al Murray did it. The, the show was full and and it actually stuck to a format whereas some days like today there's no real format it's just just hello everyone we're having a chat um, <laughs> you got a lot of stuff off your chest today as well oh, I, I tend to to be honest <laughs> it's, it's helped because Edinburgh tends to drive comedians insane and like I don't care I don't care about awards or reviews or anything like, I'm genuinely not bothered my goal is to entertain as many people who come to watch me as possible I seem to be doing that 
so I'm winning. That's how I look at it. There's no point. I mean, look at it. I've had nice reviews and yeah. all that. But at the same time, yeah. Favourite review so far? Um, any, any choice quotes? My, the best quote I got, I was recommended by the Sunday Times this week. I don't know. I've not heard about that. I've not heard, um, mentioned that in the Yeah, I've not mentioned that at all. So Danny <laughs> mentioned it more than me because he's annoyed. Because he's been, he's, he's been recommended by Zoo Magazine and I've been recommended by the Sunday Times and I'm a heavily tattooed, sweary idiot and he's the guy who's doing a show about musicals, which... <laughs> was brilliant um, so even more annoyed now yeah so <laughs> it, it's, the, the guy the, the Sunday Times comedy writer came to see my show Tattoo again last year and really really liked it mm. and that show was it was different to this year that show was it was more of a journey and it was very a lot of it was quite sad and the quote um, the quote he's got which I will use forevermore to talk about my show. And bear in mind, the other shows that got picked are all much bigger shows than me. So it was a proper surprise. Yeah. But I didn't expect this. And when people are texting me pictures of it going, you're at the Sunday Times, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> um, uh, so, um, so yeah, uh, the, the actual quote was, uh, beautiful comedy from the comic who wears his life on his skin. That an amazing good. quote because it sums up what I am as a human being and then lies about my comedy so <laughs> the last year's show was it was quite beautiful this year's show is more silly than beautiful but it is still nice and it does have a message and it is still essentially about the fact that human beings can be beautiful people rather than everyone being mean which is what I'd like to try and do I'm just trying to make because the show's called Let's Be Friends I'm just trying to make friends with as many people as possible and it's kind of working finally you've, uh, you've done that on Twitter as well I mean, you, you had a competition last year <laughs> that's done now as well yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I got the 5,000 followers I'd have three of them tattooed on me and it happened and then I tattooed on me. Who were they? Um, I don't know them personally. Are they, are they nice looking people? Or, or are they, it's, uh, it's just scan? their names, it's not their oh, faces. Because right. <laughs> um, you haven't had Martin Moore on. I've got Martin Moore's face on the back of my arm through losing a bet with him last year about whoever sold the least tickets will have the other one tattooed on them. And I was always going to lose because it was about his 10th Edinburgh. It was my first. <laughs> but he's got a lovely face and I wanted the publicity. And now I'm quite happy to have a bearded. People think he's Zach Wilde as well. So. <laughs> I get away with it. Some people are like, oh, it's, oh, it's either Zach Wilder or I bloke out of ZZ Top. <laughs> and of course, the best fact about ZZ Top is the fact the Gibbons brothers are the ones with the beards. The one without a beard, Frank Beard. Beard. <laughs> uh, lovely fact. So it's all going well then. And, uh, you've done, um, you did the two again this year, it's uh, the Friends one. Yeah, Let's Be Friends Let's this year. Let's Be Friends. Outside of that as well, you've been, you've been doing, doing some wrestling stuff. Yes. Big wrestling fan. SummerSlam was on while we were here. Yeah, I watched SummerSlam with a cavalcade of wrestlers. I watched it with Brendan Burns, John Robertson, Mark Smethurst, Tony Jameson, Carl Hutchinson and Jim Campbell. And I hated every minute of it. I love being with my mates. <laughs> but it was God, terrible. it was awful. Bad show. Just awful. We... we, we Tony Jameson's a lovely bloke, but he can't actually work a television in any way whatsoever. Uh, he can't work anything to do with technology. Not a thing. Cannot work a thing. Um, so uh, he tried to order a pizza with an iPhone app, and it <laughs> took him three hours. He's the man, he's a lovely comedian and a lovely bloke, but he's useless with technology. And we get there, and instead of him, instead of him paying for it, he decided to steal it with a free, with a free feed and we get there and it's not working so we missed the only good match which is Jericho Ziggler we missed the only good match and then yeah that's it that's it we completely uh, we just don't have to watch it on a laptop a load of us gathered around I didn't win the sweepstake and it was it was rubbish I mean we had a good laugh because we tend to because 
Brendan in particular has, has got a lot of wrestling based material um, <laughs> but oh god it was terrible terrible and it was last year last year I watched it as well up here with a load of comics and it was terrible mm. and I oh. It's like, it's like self-harm there, basically. Yeah, it's, but, uh, but the other problem is, is because I run my own wrestling promotion, it means that everything I watch isn't as good as the product I make. <laughs> because I'm my own biggest fan of my own wrestling promotion. So uh, everything the wrestling promotion is? Is progress. progress. Um, and it is, how many shows have you done now? Is it three? We're on our yeah, third, third show, September the 30th, in London, at the Garage. Um, and it's just it's, it's going really well I mean people keep saying to me oh you're just making loads of money out. no you silly there's no money in wrestling oh we do it for fun it's a hobby like comedy was when I started out and then comedy became a job and now I have to do Edinburgh and lose loads of money whereas there is no wrestling convention where I have to go and do uh, I, don't, I don't have to go and pay 10 grand to put a show on at any point um, and you can have a Nazi staff as, your, got a Nazi as staff. your title oh that gets us into trouble <laughs> our last show now our champion Nathan Cruz comes out with our staff it's not a Nazi staff it's regal and he comes out with the staff and he, he holds the staff he stands on the ring apron and holds the staff and the front row mockingly start giving him a Nazi salute <laughs> that's illegal we had to cut it out the DVD <laughs> I was going to come down, but... Uh. Yeah, it's not, I assure you, our fans aren't Nazis. Um, I'm going to have to tell them to stop doing it. They're just very sarcastic. They're really sarcastic. <laughs> really, really, really. Like when Lion Kid's wrestling, they start chanting, let's go Simba. I mean, that is quite... <laughs> quite they're funny. I mean, a lot of the reasons they're funny is a lot of the chants are started by comedians because we have a very high comedian contingent because <laughs> we let comedians in for free and a lot of comics are wrestling fans. So the noise next door lads are obviously really good at coming up with musical improv anyway. Yeah. Will tend to make up Sam Pacelli mainly, who's red next door, tends to make up most of the no of the song. Because like you can the, hear like his voice. Like Power Rangers, red yeah, noise red. next door. They are. That's how improv works. That's how improv works. You wear all black and then one colour that separates you, and in their case it's a tie. They let not give a fight, it's their shoes. That's how it works. <laughs> There's a, a formula. Yeah, every now and again, I like, to, I like to just wear a black t-shirt and black trousers and black shoes and wander around and hope that people think I'm improv. Um, I'm not. I can't do it. I'm not agreeable enough. I did improv. I went to the Hollywood improv. I did improv properly in, in the States. And I was rubbish at it because my British tendency is to say no to things. And of course, a proper improv, you're meant to agree to everything. And you know, when someone suggests, when someone goes, this thing I'm holding here is a sheep. You're meant to go, oh, let me look, let me touch the sheep, let me stroke the sheep. And my natural response is to go, no, it isn't, you're stupid. <laughs> why, uh, why would we have a sheep? We have instance? a sheep. Tell a joke. Um, <laughs> so I'm not good at improv. I appreciate it when done well, but I'm not very good at it. Did, did you do the circuit over there? Did you, did you get a few I did, spots? Um, I went to do the comedy store, and, and a story which I, I used to tell on stage but don't now is that I went on stage, and the compare who was the lowest of the, for some reason that here compares are well respected over yeah. there the compare was the lowest on the pecking order and there's 16 acts on this gig goes on for seven hours Gee, right? jesus christ right? and, and people just come in and go drop in and out because it's free to get in but you have to buy a certain amount of drinks while yeah you're so true drink minimum thing, yeah. yeah so we so i go in and i'm like seventh on out of about 19 and i'm going to be doing 10 minutes for ten dollars Right. The compare's not being paid and he's got to be there all night. That's how rubbish he is. Right? right? And he goes on. And, and he, when, he, when he's about to bring me on, we're still off stage and he goes, uh, So, uh, what's your gimmick? And I go, I haven't got a gimmick. And he goes, You've got to have a gimmick. Everyone's got a gimmick. Uh, no, honestly, I, I don't have a gimmick. 
and he pointed at all my tattoos and went, are they a gimmick? And I went, no, they're my arms, dude. <laughs> and then he went, what about your accent? Is that your gimmick? I went, no, it's my nationality. <laughs> right? And then he, he goes, well, how do you get gigs back in England? And I went, well, I'm quite funny. And he went, oh, right, you're an arrogant prick, eh? I went, no. Whoa. I went, no. I'm not arrogant. I'm not going to be rude, is there? Now we're not getting on. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes, fine. Right, if you, um, if you don't have a, if you don't have a, a gimmick, what credits have you got? Expecting me to say nothing. I remember that that's how they sell you as a comedian in the States, is what credits you've got. And also remember that Americans don't understand sarcasm. (laughs) So I went, have you got a notepad? And he went, well, I need one. And I went, yeah. (laughs) And then he went, okay. I went, right, get ready to write this down. And he sits there and I go, right. I don't know if you've heard, in England, there's this thing called Live at the Apollo. It's basically mine. And he wrote it down. And then I went, I went, um, have you been to Edinburgh? And he went, yeah. And I went, well, there's this, um, this thing called the Perrier Award, uh, the best show. I won it three years in a row. I got nominated for it for a fourth time, but I turned it down because he didn't want to be a dick. And he wrote it down. And then he went, why are you over here? Because now he's warming to me and he's acting like he's my best mate because he thinks I'm famous. And you, you so can then, get in somewhere. Yeah, in so then he goes, um, why are you over here? And I went, well, I recorded a Comedy Central special last week because out next month. And I went, oh, wow. And they said, well, why are you doing 10 minutes of a new material, new act night? And I went, well, to be honest, and this is where I knew he was an idiot. See if you can spot the deliberate error in what I said. I went, yeah, um, well, the reason I'm here is um, on Friday night, I'm hosting Saturday Night Live. Right? <laughs> and he didn't swig it at all, and he wrote it down. Went on stage, introduced me all those credits, acting oh like he's my best mate. I go on stage like a fucking ticker tape parade, it's amazing. I walk on stage, get to the mic and go, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for that beautiful response, but essentially, none of that stuff's true. I just told the compare because I think he's a dick. <laughs> and they all cheer again because they've not liked him because he's rubbish. I do 10 minutes, goes really well. At the end of the 10 minutes, they ask me to do more. I go, I can't because it's disrespectful to the other acts. All the other acts are there going, no, stay on. I'm like, no, 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 it's not right. So I go off stage. And when I walk off stage, I go to shake his hand and he refuses to shake my hand. But the audience are cheering me. When they see him refuse to shake my hand, I'm about off the stage. He walks back on the stage and they start booing him. He then stands in the middle of the stage and obviously needs to calm the audience down. Yeah. Obviously he's a pro. He needs to say something to calm the audience down. He goes, uh, shut it, you lot. I'm not bringing him back on. He's done his time. Shut up. Right, and they stop booing him even more. And eventually a massive Mexican bloke stands up. He's got tattoos everywhere. He stands up, clears his throat, and in a really high-pitched voice, doesn't suit his body. Everyone goes quiet. He goes, uh, hey, buddy, to the compound. He goes, what? And he goes, hey, buddy. I think I speak for me and everybody else when I say, you bring the limey back on stage now, or I'll break your face. <laughs> and he just left the stage, I walked back on. I did another five minutes, had a lovely time. Um, I don't see any kind of uh, comparison between wrestling art and comedy. It's just, uh, no. <laughs> I'll break your face. I'll break your face. And the best thing is, this Mexican guy came to my show, because I was doing a solo show there in a the festival, and he came to my show the next day with his girlfriend. And after the show, I said, uh, did you enjoy that? And it was a free show. And we said, you could put money in the bucket if you want. And I got the bucket. And I go, no, mate, you don't need to put anything in. Because he, he looked at it and didn't put anything in. And I, and he, I think and then he looked at me as if to say, oh, I'm being rude. And I went, no, don't you don't have to put anything in because you were so cool yesterday. And he went, oh, thanks. And then he shook my hand. He did that thing. You know when you tip someone and you put a note in their hand? And he shook my hand and pulled me in close and went, don't look at your hand until I've left. But thank you. And he left. When he left, I opened my hand and he gave me a $50 bill. Jesus. I was just like, you're the coolest man I've ever met. <laughs> Still friends on Facebook, it's quite nice. 
So sometimes I never know how to finish it, an interview, but that's that's perfect. It works, isn't it? What, what a lovely, what a lovely story to end on. Yeah. So any any plans for? Even though I'm going to continue now. Yeah. <laughs> any plans? For, any plans for next year? Are you going to? Um, I'm on a year off um, because I've done two years in a row and it's gone quite well. So touring um, or well, I've got a bit of a, I've got a mini tour in autumn and I'm doing my solo show. I'm doing Let's Be Friends about eight times already booked into various places. So I'm doing the Sheffield Comedy Festival, the Manchester Comedy Festival, which isn't happening this year, but I'm doing it in Manchester, show in Manchester. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to Luxembourg to do two tour shows, which is weird, and Denmark to do a tour show because they seem to like me there. So In English? Uh, yeah, in English. Uh, yeah. I don't even know what language Luxembourg is. Luxembourg is um, a lot is uh, a mixture of Belgian, Dutch, German, French and English. So obviously I'll do the show in all of those five languages. <laughs> like it takes five hours. You just do uh, an hour of like Claudio Castagnoli does at his gimmick in the WWE. I've not seen him yet. Is he um, good? He's US champion now. Is he? Yeah, he beat Santino at the weekend. No. Yeah. <laughs> so that that comedy character will go on forever. Yeah. I yeah. like Santino, but uh, it's just sort of, I don't know, it just, it just seems a bit kind of, it just, it's for the kids. Yeah. It's like, oh, Hans 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 oh, Hans 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 and she is quite young and she's quite funny. So she has been inside to Avalon and she has got her BBC Three series starting soon. <laughs> I, I like the little thing. Uh, we'll, we'll finish it there. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, then we can talk. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> talk off, off yeah, camera. Yeah, let's talk off, off, off air. <laughs> so that's Jim Smallman there, one half of the uh, comedy odd couple. Uh, <laughs> as, I met, as I found out and met. Uh, the other half that we'll be talking talking about shortly. Uh, but don't forget, um, Jim Small Jim Smallman is the uh, co co-founder uh, of uh, Progress Wrestling, which will be having its third chapter. Because they have chapters uh, down in London. Uh, check out on the website for the show. Uh, it is uh, absolutely fantastic, and I'm gonna have to get down there myself. Um, but he is such a lovely bloke. Uh, so go and support if you'd like to want to support uh, local wrestling, uh, UK wrestling. Get down there now. Uh, the next one is on September the 30th. Uh, as I mentioned, um, he is one half of the odd couple. During the group therapy show, I got the chance to meet Danny Buckler, who is also another lovely man uh, who has an obsession uh, with Jim eating Jaffa cakes. Uh, he's also uh, renowned by Zoo magazine. Um, so I think he's uh, chuffed about that. Uh, but this is Danny Buckler talking to us. Um, at the beginning of this interview, it's really weird um, because I'll let Danny explain it at the beginning. Did that bloke actually think that we're some sort of clients or something then? I've got no idea, but I sincerely hope not. Are you recording this now? Yeah, uh, I'll edit that bit. Okay, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it's to have an organic feel at the beginning rather than just a hey, I'm. Uh... Absolutely. <laughs> I think he did. We were, we were just down there with the. I don't know if people listen to this. We were at the bottom of this hill with a dominatrix, a professional dominatrix, who's a friend of a friend of ours and a comedian who I don't even know his name, but he looked creepy to me. <laughs> like he was looking for trade and I see you're with them, I'll see you later. Yeah. Alright, okay. She's doing a two-hander before she gets involved with you. <laughs> In broad daylight on the corner of a street. That is not my scene. <laughs> Well, at least I know where I stand now. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> no, anyway, I'm here with uh, Danny Buckler, who's up in Edinburgh doing uh, uh, a one-man show. Yeah. Uh, what, are you, what are you on at? I'm at the caves, just the tonic. Caves, just the tonic. At 9.20, you've got three more chances to see it. <laughs> then I'm off. <laughs> Around the globe. I'm uh, gone, mate. <laughs> so, so what's, what's it about? It's, um... it's about unrequited love. I fell in love with a girl 
who did not return my feelings. And um, so it's about that, and it's about the parallels that I saw between my own life and the life of the Phantom of the Opera. Uh -huh. Except that obviously he's fictitious. And but, it, um, you mentioned musicals there. Is it is it just the Phantom of the Opera that's in there, or is there other? This particular show is all about Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Saved my life. It's got um, it's got. I'm sorry, it's an improv team on a square performing to each other. Yeah, that's. Uh, that has well, got that's to be fringe. Um, yeah. I think are they just they are actually on their own. Not sure if they're being costly or not. Anyway, yeah, so yes. that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Sorry. <laughs> It's alright, I was, I was distracted. This is the well. danger of doing this talk walking down the street is that every time even three feet is some nutter doing something utterly. Uh, my, weird. Girl, my girlfriend got really freaked out because um, this guy came up to her and was sort of acted retarded and sort of, uh, right. and then went, and this is my show. Right, so there, now every time that she's met somebody who is actually uh, disabled yeah. or whatever, she's, she's not sure what they're doing. Whether, yeah. whether or not, is this a show? Is this a performance piece? So uh, Edinburgh is weird like that. But what have you seen so Sorry, going to run into the show. So, <laughs> it's about musicals and unrequited love. Yep. Uh, it's very a, moving, it is. Is this, is this your first show up here? or First hour show, yeah. yeah. I've done like little bits and bobs, but this is the first sort of proper hour I've done. And uh, yes. Going well? Yeah, I think so. Like, nice, re it? nice reviews and that. The people seem to like it. They're really happy. No one's giving me a kick on the internet. <laughs> and uh, yeah, sort of, I'm giving up for next year. I've got the idea for next year's show. <laughs> so, how did you get into comedy? I know. Where you based originally? And I started out doing magic tricks. I was a magician All right. for the longest time. Too, too long, if I'm honest. But then um, children's stuff, or was it actually oh, a proper theatre? I did children's. I did children's stuff. I did. Um, Enjoyable, I thought, or so I, no, I yes, do a bit of DJing yes. for kids and stuff. I mean, like yes, that, it so. was. I mean, I, I, I'm not sort of. Be, oh, I was too cool for that. That's, no, it, it was. If I'm honest, it was actually quite a lot of fun, and I wish I'd appreciated it more when I was doing it. Because uh, now looking back, when I was doing it, I was all angry because I didn't want to be doing it, and now I think I wish I'd actually enjoyed that time more. Mm. Oh, um, now you're going that way. <laughs> which is nice. But, uh. So you moved on from there, didn't um, Yeah, started doing stand up and stuff with the magic, and then the magic fell away, and then, uh. The rest be history. And now that's what I do when it's all good, and I love it. I still do the magic on cruise ships occasionally for a bit of extra cash. I was going to say, that's, a, that's um, quite lucrative. But. I might say a bit of extra cash, I mean a lot of extra cash, yeah. <laughs> on its ass. So, um, so yeah. do, you, do you still do the circuit then? And the comedy circuit, yes. Because we're based in Liverpool, obviously. Have you, have you done Liverpool yet? I've done Baby Blue. Okay. Which so. can, uh, that, can get, that can get stuffed. <laughs> I've got that thing, the idea of the hard, yeah, I can conquer the hard gig, I can't wait for it. I love the balls to that, shut up. I want, I want an audience that's going to be quiet watch the bloody show, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not here for a fight, this is not a game. I've written material, listen. You've come out for entertainment, you know? why, why are you, why are you <laughs> being so hard about it? So where's, where's the best place you've done? Where's your favourite sort of gig in areas? Is it I like close comedia. to home? Comedia in Brighton is a big place. Like, I like that. I like the Ram Jam around the corner from my house, so I can walk there and walk back. <laughs> I like... Um, Getting older, sort of just like convenience rather than... Absolutely. I do some shows for Disney. I like their audience very much. Disney? Mm, that's quite nice. I they, they have a couple of comedy rooms right. and a couple of resorts and ships, and I've been doing those. Which is quite uh, exciting. Is it a different style of comedy doing oh, it? Yes. Is it like old school? Sort it's of? ultra clean. It's not old school. It's the same style, but it's just very clean. There's no swearing in it, and there's not that I swear much anyway. But there's no, you know, it's not aggressive, and there's no politics. There's nothing offensive in it. It's actually harder than it sounds. I was going to say, yeah, it's much harder. People think that's worse, but it's really harder when you can't say, you know, when you're when you're you've got those sort of rules in place. It makes it much more difficult. But uh, so it's, it's a good thing to do for the discipline of, you know. Is it, yeah. Uh, sort of toning yourself down and be able to play different rooms. Yep. So, so it, 
you're finishing in three days, so uh, probably won't get out before. Won't get this out up online before uh, you finish. But if, if uh, they want to see you, uh, do you ever do anywhere up in the northwest on a regular basis? Like, All the time, my friend. Facebook Manchester? is the key. Or Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Danny Buckler. I don't know, I'll let you know where I am. And you'll be very welcome to come and say hello. Indeed, I'll try and get down tonight. Actually, if I can, but I've got to. Mate, there's no pressure selling here whatsoever. I can see <laughs> the knit in your eyes. That is not going to happen. That was a, that was a token. I'll try and get down tonight, mate. I've got to admit. But your heart is saying no. Your heart is saying there's something else you'd rather see. No, no, and no. Frankly, I don't blame you. Go something. <laughs> I hear Kitson is wonderful this year. Seriously, already no seen it. To, already seen good, it. Sorry, last but night. Fantastic. No pressure whatsoever to come and see my. And, that, and that's that no pressure selling has made me want to go even more now. That's I don't want you there now. That's magic. I don't want you there now. Don't come. <laughs> don't need you. I don't need you. Oh, there. <laughs> that's it, mate. You burnt your bridges. You made your, you made your bed lying in. Not nice callback. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Cheers, Danny. Thanks a lot. Cheers, man. Thank you. So yeah, that was Danny Buckler. Um, if you get the chance to see him, go and see him. I, uh, unfortunately, as he pointed out there, I didn't get a chance to see him because uh, I was running around like a blue ass fly uh, for the majority of the Edinburgh uh, uh, Festival and drinking way too much. Um, uh, and I also got, I didn't get the chance to see Jim's, uh, Jim Smallman's uh, other show that he did at four o'clock. Um, and this is my apology now to Jim uh, because I was interviewing um, Tommy Shepard. Tommy Shepard is the guy who created uh, or built, built up uh, the Stand Comedy Club that has three venues, Edinburgh, Glasgow and uh, Newcastle, the new one that's just opened in Newcastle. Um, and during the festival, they normally just run one one room uh, through the year, but during the festival, they ended up running five venues um, just to accommodate all the uh, brilliant comedy that they had on there. Uh, and uh, Tommy agreed to sit on the steps, very loud steps, with a lot of building work going on around and about, um, and chat to us about how it all started. I'm here with Tommy Shepherd, and this time I've got my uh, recorder working. Uh, tell me, how did it all start with this, the stand venues in Edinburgh, Glasgow and Newcastle? Yeah, well, we started here in Edinburgh. I mean, I lived in London for a long time in the 80s and uh, was a, a fan of the uh, what was then called alternative comedy. Um, and when I came to, uh, we used to come to the Edinburgh Festival every year, even then. Mm. Uh, and even then, it was uh, one of the biggest collections of comedy you'd ever get anywhere in the world. Yeah. Uh, when I came back to live here, I was amazed that when the festival finished, there was nothing going on. There was no, there were no regular gigs here or anything. So uh, myself and a few others set up the stand as a hobby, really, because mm. we were comedy fans and we wanted to have a gig. And uh, Is, isn't uh, a venue sort of one of the, the main venue something to do with the police or the SNP or something like that? Or? No, I'll tell you about that in a minute. Oh. I mean, we, we, we started here. We uh, we started initially in a little pub in the in the grass market in the old town. Oh yeah. Uh, and we had 27 seats. And we did it once a week, and we did that for years, for about three years, and then I got made redundant and used my redundancy money to turn the, the hobby into a business. Oh, cool. We opened here where we are in 1998, and have been going every year since, and we've now got clubs in, in Glasgow and Newcastle. During the Fringe, we, we sort of go into <laughs> warp, warp Factor 10, you know, it's like... <laughs> Uh, and instead of doing one gig a day, which is what we normally do, we're doing about 42 gigs a day. <laughs> no pressure uh, then. Yeah, uh, <laughs> in, in different rooms. So during August, we take, you know, our year-round club is called Stand One, and we have Stand Two, Three, and Four as well. Yeah. Two is round the corner in a little social club that uh, the rest of the year is used by the Scottish National Party. Yeah. Three and four are across the road in uh, a function room that's used by Lothian and Borders Police the rest of the time. So yeah, we've got some strange bedfellows. <laughs> 
So how do you program uh, Edinburgh? Um, is it you're talking about seeing the alternative comedy yeah. from taking to the seventies, mid seventies to the eighties, early eighties? Early eighties. Yeah. Is, is it is that where your passion for comedy is? Because yeah. you, you tend to have um, comedians who aren't sort of the megastar selling sort of Michael McIntyre's. You seem to have the yeah. more more critically, critically acclaimed ones. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, we, the, the club I like to think has got a character. I mean, we we. We still are, I don't know, we still are true to the traditions of alternative comedy in the sense that, you know, we, we, we don't have mainstream acts here. We always try to people who are pushing a few boundaries. Mm. The likes of Tony Law here or Simon Munnery have got, you know, fantastic shows that are just, you know, a lot of people aren't going to understand <laughs> yet, <laughs> but, but a lot of people clearly do, yeah. and they find their own audience, and it's uh, there's nothing better when you get... A performer playing to people who want that type of comedy. Mm. Uh, you know, we've got some sort of more mainstream shows as well. We do package shows every day that are best of Scottish comedy, best of Irish comedy, and they sort of do what they say in the tin. They have people standing up telling jokes. Yeah. Well, comedy for me is not all about telling jokes. You know, it's about the narrative and it's about the experiment and the innovation yeah. and doing doing strange and wonderful things which would be a good description of Tony Law's show I was going to say I just said that this morning it's uh, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen uh, yeah. the, the ending is just amazing I know it's wonderful I, I can't yeah. sing it's praises enough I hope he wins the uh, the prize well, uh, with, with, whether he needs it or not though but. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm very much against all these comedy awards anyway to be honest my mm. line is that Tony Law's a brilliant comedian in spite of being nominated for the prize <laughs> <so>. <laughs> talk about stuff like that there's been, there's been a bit of friction between um, the, uh, the stand and the underbelly and the, uh, the more of the um, I don't know what you call it. The, the it's the fringe, but it's not the fringe. It's the more the, well, mainstream. I, I call it a cartel of mega venues. Um, <laughs> is, it, yeah. is, is, is there a place for all, all different breeds in that, or is, should should comedy move try and move more towards who, who's? Um, we're gonna, I'm not going to say who's getting duped, but um, does it mean that people aren't benefiting with the high ticket prices? Yeah, or, I mean, or are they getting what they want, which is somebody they've seen on TV? Well, like this is the world's biggest arts festival. Two million tickets. And you don't have that without there being a lot of sort of politics in the background, you know, in, yeah. the, in the organisation of it. And I, I wouldn't say, I don't have any animosity with the other venues, but we do have, we have a healthy competition, obviously, for audiences. Yeah. But we also, we do have a genuine difference of opinion on how to organise things. Mm. I mean, for example, most of those venues, if you are a comedian and you want to put on a show, they will ask you to pay a big deposit up front, yeah. uh, which you won't get back. Uh, unless your show does very well and the box office covers it. Mm. We do it the opposite way around. We say, we, we decide we want to work with people and we put together a production budget uh, and we take the risk. And if the box office makes the production budget, then the comedian makes money and we make money. But if it doesn't, then we pick up the tab. You yeah. know, you know, we cover the costs. We don't send them an invoice at the end of, at the, end of the run. And that's the so-called pay-to-play culture, which has grown up in recent years with the, the big venues, I think is a very negative aspect of the festival. And ultimately, it means the posh kids win, you know, the yeah. people who've got the money and can afford to do it, whereas the good jobbing comics who have to feed their kids and pay a mortgage uh, can't really afford to do that unless there's a venue like this. Mm. Or other uh, like venues on the free fringe as well, where the, you know, where the economics are... Are more real and it's possible to actually do a show enjoy yourself entertain people and make a little bit of money as well not be worrying about i've got a mortgage at home yeah well I mean, the worst the worst thing must be that you're you know your show's not going well you're looking out you've got a small house in front of you uh, and you think to yourself and this is costing me a share of the money as well <laughs> i mean that's a, like a real double whammy so at least here if the show's not going well and there's always a few that don't 
the guys know that at the end of the day it's not going to cost them anything. What do you think comedy's going? Do you think it is going to become more, well, it's already commercial as it is, but, you know, in America they have the, you know, comedians have to pay to actually get on, on stage and super minimums and stuff like that. Could it go as bad as that, or is there enough people out there? Well, I hope not. I mean, there's a, there's a much, there's a very healthy sort of live, live comedy club circuit in the UK, which is why we've got so many uh, Americans, Canadians and Australians playing here, <laughs> because they don't have that in their own country. And, you know, it's... I wouldn't overstate it, but it's enough for, you know, I don't know, maybe somewhere between uh, 1,000 and 2,000 entertainers to make a professional living out of it. Mm. And guys that work, you know, and women that work, you know, week in, week out entertaining people in small venues where uh, not only does it keep it real in the sense that, you know, it's more intimate and there's a good dialogue between the performer and the audience, mm. but there's enough money being made to... Uh, to sustain it and to, to pay the mortgages it with. And that's a world apart from the big stadium gigs that the big guys go in for. And, you know, like any industry, there's obviously a, a spectrum. Uh, mm. But maybe there's maybe there's room for for all of it. But the truth is, you know, there's only going to be, in every, in every sort of 10 years, there's going to be one Michael McIntyre or one John Bishop. Yeah. Uh, and what we need to try and look out for is the hundreds of people that are, that are you know, Doing interesting stuff in comedy all year round, and who aren't gonna, who aren't, because there aren't, you know, not everyone can make it big. There just aren't enough places. Yeah, well, as, as Tony says in his show, you know, he's been doing it for twelve years. Yeah, twelve years or even longer. It can't be. It's got to be twelve years. That's what he says. Yeah, no, I always yes. believe a comedian. Oh yeah. And it's sort of I've seen him ages and ages ago, and think, oh, I like him. Yeah. But he's, you know, it takes a while for them to build the. Yeah, it, was the it was the turn of the last century when I first started booking Tony. <laughs> so it was 12 years, yeah. The last century. Oh. <laughs> Um, some people who watch comedy now won't even. So. <laughs> yeah, well. But as, as in terms of, uh, as, as people could probably hear in the background, um, there seems to be a lot of traffic, but there's also a lot of um, roadworks and the trams. I came here in 2008 to watch comedy the first time around, and not much has changed in terms of that. Is that. No, this is the Edinburgh Trams project, which uh, is a nightmare, really. Um, has that affected it as business or whatever? Is it affecting. Uh, well, it hasn't helped. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's. We're effectively operating from within a compound here of building site fences on two, mm. two sides of us. <laughs> so it makes it a little... Well, I don't know if it's effective business, but it, it obviously makes it, the experience of coming here slightly less nice. I mean, Edinburgh is one of the most beautiful cities in the world, and yet mm. you know, look, look, we're looking at a building site. <laughs> uh, so hopefully, uh, this is only going to be another year, and then the trams will be running, and you know, we'll see the benefit of it. But it's been a long, hard slog with these building works, yeah. Do you have a break after this now, after Edinburgh, do you just go away and just yeah, sort of... I've got Tuesday off. <laughs> <laughs> then back in and book in next year's yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, I'll be here at the stand. We have a big party Monday night to wrap up. Everyone gets uh, trashed. And we have, <laughs> we have Tuesday off. We clean up the building on Wednesday and we open for our autumn season on Thursday. Going seven nights a week. So. <laughs> Fantastic. If you, if you could have a dream lineup for next year, if, you, if, if there's some people that you've not had here before that you'd love to get, back, get on in the stand... Have you had them all already? Well, we've had, we had most of the people I would want, I think. I mean, you know, apart from the, like this year, apart from great shows that, that, that we mentioned and people like, you know, Phil Jupitus and mm. uh, Fred McCauley and Stephen K. Amos as well. I mean, apart from that, we've had lots of people pop in and do one-offs. We've had Harry Hill, Rod Gilbert and Sarah Millican all turn up and do a gig here that wasn't even in the programme. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I think, we, if anything, we're, we're punching above our weight in terms of <laughs> in terms of the comedians we get on the stage. Do you think some of them are actually going back to that as well, that they want to do smaller gigs, they don't want to do... 
But I think what it is that even the big guys realise that uh, you need a small club to work the material through, you know, uh, and just to try out and make sh get the rhythm of it, test what's funny, test how to edit it. All of that's done much better done in front of a hundred people than it is in front of ten thousand people. So a lot of the comedians now do like work in progress stuff to try and get the thing honed, and then when it's at a certain level, they will take it on tour into the big into the big theatres. Is, is it well managed here in terms of? Um, I read a saw an interview with Chris Rock recently that he'd, he'd love to go back and do stand up again, but going and doing those work in progress it's in America there's people with camera phones in the back and he says if they wouldn't want that kind of stuff going in there is yeah, it well, we, we yeah we, we, we clamp on that I mean you know if we see anyone filming they get ejected and it's made clear that they're not allowed to take like photographs it. or video during the show uh, so we, we try and stamp in that, yeah, because it sort of spoils it. I mean, the staff here are all into comedy, they're very protective of it. I was going to say, it seems like a family rather than a, in a yeah, little community. It's a big dysfunctional family. <laughs> <laughs> Every on Tuesday we'll be getting absolutely trolled. Oh, on yeah. Monday we're getting absolutely well, trolled. Yeah, well, we need to try and not get too bad actually, because of course we're running the assembly rooms up in George Street. Which, How's uh, that going? How's that? going very well, it's going very well, but it's a much bigger project than this. Uh, you know, there's about 100,000 people have been up there at this festival. And a big, yeah, out, a big people like uh, Stuart Lee was in there, was Stuart Lee's there, Cabot, he's, World. Uh, yeah. Stuart Francis, uh, Russell Kane, people like that. So, and of course, it's not just comedy up there. There's a lot of theatre and a lot of music as well. It's a multi, multi uh, strand program. So, but that's been going very well, and it's taken a lot of my energy this year to to do that. And we, it's going to take us three days after the festival to take that apart. So, <laughs> I can't get too trolly the Monday night. <laughs> well, I hope it goes all well for you, Tommy. Thanks for talking to us. All right, Shay, been a pleasure. It's a pleasure too. Thanks a lot. Cheers. So that's Tommy Shepard there, um, probably a pioneer uh, of, of comedy uh, in terms of um, providing a lovely room for comedians. We speak to most comedians on the circuit. They love playing uh, the stand up there. It's just uh, so warm and friendly and accommodating. Uh, and it was great to talk to somebody behind the scenes, basically, about how the whole thing runs uh, the ins and outs and the intricacies and hopefully we'll uh, get a chance to chat to him uh, later on in the year um, but yeah uh, so that was the end of the Edinburgh Festival uh, sort of roundup um, we have got some a couple more interviews uh, from people uh, from comedians that were up there uh, but we're going to tie those in to the next show uh, which is our Liverpool Comedy Festival preview it's just festival mania at the moment um, yeah so we will be doing stuff and we'll hopefully get um, we've got an uh, interview with uh, Seymour Mace, who you may know from Ideal, uh, Jenny Vegas' Ideal, uh, Steve Gribbin, um, and a host of other people who will be performing at the Liverpool Comedy Festival, which runs uh, from the end of this month, the 27th of September, through to the 7th of October. Uh, I'll be performing uh, during that. We've got um, three or four shows on, three shows at the Fly and the Loaf, um, the 27th, the 2nd and the 4th. Um, check the Liverpool Comedy Festival website for details and want to put the elephant in Walton um, so if you want to see me uh, do stand up um, pop along um, all the details are online and we will uh, give you a preview of the whole thing uh, in the next show which will be out very very shortly thanks for listening